So if you're just joining us, we've been going through the book of Proverbs. Um, Proverbs is a gift. Sometimes you forget that because you just don't read it. And you're like, oh, I forgot there's so much in this. It has all this wisdom to offer us on how to live life, how to not live life. Um, It tells us how to address surface level subjects and even the really deep ones. And that's what we're talking about this morning is the inner life. And so I just want to invite you uh, to be ready to allow God inside. We often have walls and we have places where he's allowed to go, um, but I believe he wants to do something really significant. And I I believe he wants to speak through the book of Proverbs, but I believe he wants to give us something that is so much greater than the book of Proverbs, and that is himself. And so, God, we invite you into this place and into our hearts. Amen? Amen. All right, so 1998, this car came out. The Audi TT. To my 19-year-old self, this was the car that I wanted. Anyone else like this car at some point in their life? A few others out there? I don't know what it was, but there had never been a kind of a car that looked like this, and it had this whole vibe. And and so it had one of those, like, dream lists. Like, okay, this can be, like, a wish list thing, because it wasn't like a Ferrari where I knew I would never get it. But it was, like, in this realm where there might be a possibility. And so I always just kind of paid attention to them as the years went by. And I was just reading different articles. And then one day I was working on a car for myself. And I saw this article about an Audi and its owner who had purchased this beautiful car and had faithfully driven this car for 83,000 miles when all of a sudden it stopped working. It completely seized up and just stopped. I'm like, why would it do that? And we found out that this person had never changed the oil in the car. That when they took it in, the engine looked like this. They picked it from the dealer and they drove it till it stopped. And then they had to deal with the repercussions. So those of you who know cars, does this kind of like just give you the chills. You're like, that's, that's, that's not okay. Every 3,000 miles, or if you have synthetics, maybe 5,000, you, know, you have all these ideas on what it takes to take care of a car. But I think we can identify a lot with this. Proverbs 18:14. it says, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? If that car had dents in it, it had been in fender benders, it had, uh, had some people, you know, open the door a little too close, there would be dings and maybe a bumper that might be hanging a little bit, but if the engine was cared for, it would keep running and running and running. Who here has a car that has like over 200,000 miles on it? Right? Wow. I need to visit you. Um, help me take care of my car. Uh, so we have this idea that we as humans have the capability of enduring a lot physically. A lot of you have endured a lot physically. But when we endure a crushed spirit, 
we are lost. And the thing is, is a lot of us are feeling crushed in spirit. We are feeling maybe a sense of hopelessness. We are feeling a sense of, of, of fear or of, of angst. And, and it's threatening our well-being. Proverbs 14.10 says, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can sh- fully share its joy. You can come in here appearing as things are, are good. Have you ever looked at someone and said their life, their life is pretty great? And then you actually hear them share about it, and they're like, oh my goodness, I had no clue. And the reality is a lot of us have come in here, shined up, washed, but internally we are experiencing a lot of suffering. Internally, we might be hurting and confused or angry and fearful, sad, jealous, feeling forgotten and alone in the storms of life. So this morning, we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about the symptoms of a crushed spirit. We're going to talk about the source of a crushed spirit. And then we're going to talk about the solution, which is good news, for a crushed spirit. I'm going to start with a caveat. If you are human and you have an arm that can go up in the air, I want you to raise it. All right, no aliens, we're good. Um, This message is for you. Because in some way, in some shape, your internal life needs care. You need to care for it. So there's good news for those of you who are doing well. This is a reminder Keep your oil changed. (laughs) And for those whose inner lives might look like that car, there's good news for you. Nothing in God's economy is ever totaled. He can always rebuild. And he knows what he's doing. And he can make you run like you were meant to run fully. Amen? So, symptom number one. Symptom number one is when we are unable to do that which we were created to do. So in the beginning, God made us. He gave humans life. But the goal was for humans not just to have physical life, it was to have true life found in Jesus. And when we have that true life inside of us, we now become bringers of life to those around us. So you have this beautiful verse, John 10, 10. It's a a popular verse. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus said he had come to give you a satisfying life. Do you know when you don't want to share? Is when you are yet to be satisfied right? If you have a meal, you have something, and you're eating it, and you're still hungry, it's difficult to give bites of it away. But if you have eaten and you are satisfied, you are more than happy to share what you have. Is that right? So Jesus has come that we may have this physical life that is filled to the point of satisfaction that we now start to offer life to those around us. 
Adam and Eve were given instructions, right? They were to cultivate. They were to, to build. They were to help protect and create places that life flourishes. So a symptom of a crushed spirit is when you need more life than you have to offer. So I think that when we start to think about what does this actually mean for me, that we go into a social situation and you go in and you're like, I need, I needy, I, I need validation. I, I, I need compliments, I need attention, I need acknowledgement. I need, I need people to pay attention to me. And you're nervous going into it because you're all, what will they think of me? How do I look? Did that pimple go away? Do, do I still have enough hair to try to grow it out or do I shave the whole thing, right? I'm like right in between right now. I don't know what to do, right? Like you have all these things and you're like, I don't know what to do. And I can, all I can think about is how are others perceiving me? Was that look, what did that look mean? Oh, that look meant something. Oh, they're probably talking about me. Oh, I know they're talking about me, right? And you start to go down this rabbit trail and all of a sudden, you don't have any ability to think outside of yourself because you are stuck inside of yourself. It's almost like it's not a choice, right? It's just happening. And you want to care for others, but you don't seem to have the ability to. In a nutshell, you're the main character of your story. Whether you want to be or not, you have become the main character and your sole purpose has become to protect and advocate for, promote, and defend yourself. Those are all symptoms of a spirit that is experiencing crushing. We, have not, we are not able to do that which we were created to do. Another symptom that you might have is we focus on maintaining and keeping up the outer life more than we do the inner life. The outer life is getting priority, the inner life is getting seconds. That is a, another symptom of a crushed spirit. Um, I did a little research. Orange County has 299 plastic surgeons. Uh, the state of Wyoming has three. <laughs> we live in a society that puts so much emphasis on the outer life, don't we? Our houses, our cars, our careers, the letters that go after our name. We have prioritized the outer life. It's interesting because while we might like look at certain aspects of it, and I'm not judging people for focusing on the outer life, but I'm bringing to attention what happens when it becomes the priority. When you spend your finances to appear as if things are a certain way, that you aren't the age that you actually are, that you don't have the debt that you actually have, that you have lots of friends when in reality you feel completely alone, right? These are all symptoms. They are all our Botox, we're calling it. We all have Botox. 
We all have silicone in our lives. We all have things that we have prioritized to create a facade that might not be real, and we are putting a lot of attention towards it. I, I was coming through this. I was looking at it. I'm like, oh, that's you, Tim. That's you. That's you. And I'm just like, I don't like this message that I'm giving. So what might be some Botox possibilities? It might be your house and keeping up with the latest trends. It might be working out so you can have a great body. It might be focusing on progression in school and work in order to get to the top, making sure that your 401k is good to go, your finances, you can hang your hat on them and not worry. It might be building your online image, getting more likes, having people follow you. It might be your kids and their success and what little league team are they on or, or in my case, like what, what, what like musicality are we helping to foster and in, in the gifts in our kids and we all of a sudden are prioritizing that. It might be going on the best vacation that you can or can't afford. It might be being the smartest in the room on a given subject. Might even be being a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader or a pastor who can impress with the knowledge that they have gained. It's all Botox. And it's not a problem unless it is receiving the attention that's needed to put on the inner life. If your inner life is being ignored while your outer life is being prioritized, that's when things start to fall apart. Here's the thing that happens is how do you know, how do you know if you're doing well in that situation? It's all comparison, right? The only way you know you're doing well in those things is if you compare yourself to others. Comparison is the great thief of joy. It will steal your joy over and over and over again, and all you decide to do is determine how good your life is based on it compared to those around you. I think Mark, and Jesus is very like forward in this. He says, uh, that's not the right verse. But he says, what, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit what? His soul. We don't want to forfeit our souls. And we don't want to get stuck in comparison. Proverbs 14.30 says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. God wants to deliver you from the prison of comparison, from the prison of the outer life that wants to suck up your time and energy and attention. Third symptom, we start to ignore these. Who here currently, vulnerability right now, has a check engine light on in their car? Raise your hands high and proud. I'm raising my hand, not just for the example. I'm actually raising my hand right now. Right? My first car was a 1983 Volkswagen Scirocco. It was Volkswagen's answer to the DeLorean. It was a poor answer. Um, I love that car, though, 
but I got it when I was uh, 16. I bought it from my neighbor for $900. My parents made me make payments to him, my dad. I made $140 payments every month until it was paid off, and he's teaching me things. And I love this car. It's a great car. Um, but uh, when you are a teenager and you're working part-time at Ace Hardware for uh, Jim McCarty, Pastor Jim McCarty used to be the manager over there, my first job was with Jim at Ace Hardware, and you're playing sports, you don't have a lot of money. And do you know what you don't want to spend your money on? Fixing your car. So I had my car for a few months, and all of a sudden the check engine light popped on. I'm like, I, 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 I can't do, I, no, I, I can't deal with this. And I'm like, maybe it'll just go off eventually, right? <laughs> I don't know, right? You keep driving, it stays on, stays on. And then it was started to flash, right? There's one thing when it's on and nothing when it's flashing. I'm like, I really can't handle this. And it was stressing me out. So I went and I found a little piece of black tape and I covered the check engine light and my stress went away. It was fantastic. How often do we do that? We have these warning signs flashing in our lives. Things aren't right. Things aren't good. You have a short temper. Where did this come from? You have a habitual sin that you have been doing for a long time that you can't stop. Where did that come from? You're finding yourself struggling with depression or isolation. You build walls around your heart. You're jealous all the time. You're just checking out. You're not even present. You're hiding. You're binge-watching regularly on Netflix or media. You're in denial. Totally fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Tape, 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 tape. You have a substance reliance that's unhealthy. You're seeking attention wherever you go. There's this verse, Proverbs 1, 24 and 25, says, I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So often, isn't that the case? It's like, I can't deal with what it's going to take in order to have this fixed. I don't have the time. I don't have the attention. I don't have the money. I don't have what it takes to enter into that place. So I'm going to put a piece of tape over it and pretend it's not there. All the while, it's just working its magic, right? And what could have been a $50 fix turns into a $5,000 disaster. And our internal lives often are like that. So, those are some symptoms. Who says some of those apply to me? Right? Some of those apply to me. So, where's the source of a crushed spirit? Where is this actually coming from? So, I never ended up with a Audi TT. But I did end up with a 2003 
Toyota Highlander, which honestly has been way better than the Audi TT. I can put surfboards on it. I can put stuff in it. It's super practical. It's a great car. But lately, it has been running sluggish. I push the gas, and it's like, who, me? What? what, what? Like, no. Like, I'm like, come on. You got it. You got it. And it's just like, I'll get there when I get there. So, like, I get a little nervous on freeway entrances because I'm like, you got to get going. Because once it's going, it's good. But it just got to get going. So I'm like, okay, why is my car running sluggish? So I type in 2003 Highlander, accelerating sluggish. And something comes up. It's all, it probably is the air intake. It might have to do with your air filter. I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. I've been working on trying to be handy. Like, <laughs> uh, um, and I got this, I, so I got a new air filter, and I put it in. I'm all, please be it, please be it, please be it. And I accelerated, and it's just like, who, me? Like, I'm all, it did nothing. And so then I looked online, I looked further down the page, and apparently there's 13 common reasons why a Toyota Highlander accelerates sluggishly. I'm like, oh, no. Like, I, I don't know if I can... So I start, I've been going uh, the cheapest route first, right? Because you don't just go and change something major. So I'm working my way through it, and I'm looking forward to the day soon where it stops running sluggishly. And as I learn more about my car, it's kind of like a kind of fun thing. But here's the reality, is we live in a world that wants to oversimplify how to fix our problems. You talk to one person, they're all, it's all about diet. Your depression will go away with the change of diet. You just got to change this, got to change that, got to change it. Another person's like, oh, it's all about relationships. Or someone's like, we have these overly simplistic solutions that maybe worked for us that we have decided should work for everyone. Have you ever been someone who gives like, the same advice to multiple people that have a problem that's kind of like yours? like, oh, it's got to be this. What I love about Proverbs is it acknowledges how complex the human is and how there can be multiple aspects to why our spirit is feeling crushed. And so I want to just go through this quickly. And this does not, like, this does not represent it all. It just represents some of it. But it may have a physical aspect. The crushed spirit may have a physical aspect. It may be because you can't do things physically that you would love to do because of some limitation, some handicap, some inability to do it. It might be because you physically aren't able to produce certain chemicals that most people can produce in their brain that allows them to feel certain things. And there's nothing you can do to control it, right? It might be because you're hangry. You need to eat food in order to, like, move out of your negative. Like, there's all these different pieces of the physical thing. It might have to do with yourself physically. Proverbs 14.30 says, A tranquil mind gives life to the flesh, but passion makes the bones rot. When your mind is not able to be tranquil for whatever reason, stress at work, 
all these different things happening, thought disorder, just this process. It makes, it says, it's, I like this picture, the passion makes the bones rot, this, this heat that goes through you. Anyone identify with that a little bit? You're just like feeling that thing, right? It's going through you, it's going through you. Job uh, 3.20 is an interesting thing because Job has just gone through some terrible stuff. And he, he's at this point of desperation. His spirit is crushed. He says this, Why is light given to him who is in misery and life to the bitter in soul? Why does the sun even rise on me? He is crushed in spirit. Another thing, it could have a relational aspect to it. It could be because you received really harsh words or you received no words from important people in your life. That you grew up in a family that never affirmed, that never talked to you. That you are in a marriage that is full of bitterness and, and angst and anger and confusion. That your children have decided they no longer want anything to do with you or your parents have abandoned you. These relational aspects all lead into this process of a crushed spirit. Proverbs 12.25 says, An anxious heart weighs down a man, but a kind word cheers him up. The words of our mouth have such power to bless and have such power to destroy could have a moral aspect. It could be because at some point you decided, I'm no longer going to struggle with this sin. You just made a decision. I'm done with it. And then a few weeks later, you found yourself re-engaged with that which you chose to be done with. Anyone been there? Right? You're like, I'm done. Never again. I'm choosing today to change. And then you don't, and then you just feel the weight. Such a dangerous way to go about it because you either walk away going like this. I don't deal with that anymore. I made a decision. Or you walk away just overwhelmed. Pride or shame often follows that process. And it could be something that is crushing your spirit. It says, the wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. When we know we are engaged in behavior, so funny, when I run into people who haven't seen a church in a long time, as a pastor, this is like one of the things that happens all the time. You walk up to them, you're like, Jeff, it's so good to see you. They're like, oh, so sorry, I'm coming to church this Sunday. I just haven't been able to be there for a couple months, and I, I got really busy, and, and this happened, and I'm just like, didn't ask. I just literally said, it's good to see you. And he just knows. He's like, I have not been doing good things, and I feel guilty about it, and you reminded me of it, and I feel terrible, and I want to run away right now. <laughs> but that is a symptom of a crushed spirit when you avoid subjects or people or places because it reveals something that you have been doing. could have a existential aspect. 
you have finally come to understand that if you live long enough, you will watch all your friends die. Death, what happens after death, and the sorrow of death, it can crush you. You always think, oh, I want to live to a ripe old age of whatever, but I have like longevity in my family. My great-grandmother lived to 104. She was born in 1898 and died in 2002. Whole century, kind of crazy. But Golden Flippo, that was her name, fantastic name. Golden Flippo saw everyone she knew that was her age pass away. It can be a crushing thing. And it can have a faith aspect. See, our temptation, as we rely on the outer life, is to start to put faith in our outer life. You put faith in your job. You put faith in your people around you. You put faith in the relationships. And it's just something that happens. It's this natural thing when you, whatever you put focus on, you fall in love with, and whatever you fall in love with, you put your faith into. And if your faith isn't something that can be taken away, then your spirit will get crushed. Lots of different aspects to this. Proverbs 15, 13 says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Who's experienced heartache because you put faith in the wrong thing before, right? And it just crushes you. So, I want to help to remind you that the sources of a crushed spirit are multiple and multidimensional. They come from all sorts of places. And you might be experiencing some from here, some from here, some from here, some from here, and they're combining in order to make you hopeless. It might be one singular place. But be kind with those with crushed spirits because you don't know why it is. It could be happening because of something that you don't know. Be kind to yourself if you have a crushed spirit. Because there are so many forces at work against you. You are human that's living on a broken earth with broken people making broken decisions on a regular basis. But there is hope. There is hope to have a solution to a crushed spirit. So if you went to Bob Newhart and you sat in his office as a psychiatrist, and you paid him $5 for five minutes, he would solve your problem with two words. Who knows what two words are? Stop it. Just stop it. I'm depressed because of just stop it. I feel crushed because of just stop it. Who says, that works. <laughs> but that's what we tell ourselves, don't we? Oh, you care what other people think. Just stop thinking that way. Just stop it. Stop it. And it's not working. 
It also doesn't help to ignore it, does it? Just push it down, it didn't hurt. Just push it down, you're not affected by that, you're a man, crying out loud. Men aren't emotional. <laughs> we only get anger and laugh, like that's it. <laughs> like, so ignoring it isn't helpful. Telling ourselves to stop it also isn't helpful. But we have been given something deeper. We've been given God's word. I want to talk a little bit about this. Um, I have a 2003 Toyota Highlander owner's manual. Fortunately, it's actually been looked at. Some of you, have some of you never seen your owner's manual? <laughs> You're like, there's one? <laughs> My car didn't come with one. Um, I have an owner's manual, and in it, it tells me how to take care of my car. It tells me when I should change certain things, how to go about it, how to check if, if certain things are broken, how to look at the electrical system, seatbelts. It's filled with these bright yellow uh, <laughs> warning, 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 <laughs> warning, right? Filled with lots of warnings. Um, like, in a lot of ways, the Word of God is so very helpful in understanding our life, is it not? Understands us as humans, has a warning, 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 bunch of red letters, <laughs> pay attention to those. But let me bring up this idea that I need more than an owner's manual in order to address the problems that my car may or may not have. You see, if I have a problem in my car, and I don't know what came from it. And I say, hey, owner's manual, come over here. I'm going to start my car. I want you to listen to the sound it's making. Listen, listen to the sound it's making. All right, now we're going to drive around the block. Feel that weird vibration. You feel that? That's not normal. Okay, okay, okay. I just want you to get the full experience. You drive. You drive and, and, and figure it out. Like, it can't hear. It can't feel. If it tries to drive, we're going to end up in a much worse place than we would have. In the same way, God's word is so helpful, but it is not the solution on its own. We need someone that can hear and feel. We need someone that can understand the intricacies of what is currently happening in our life. What would be great if the owner's manual right here had a contact information for the person who wrote it and the person who made the Toyota so that I could call them up, invite them over for dinner, and say, hey, help me out here. But the reality is, is that the Word of God has given us a way to connect with him, to walk with him, to listen to his voice, to invite him into our story, to include him in our pain, to ask him about these questions that keep coming up over and over and over and over again. You see, a personal relationship with Jesus 
is what we are invited into. A deep friendship with God is what you are invited into. And what a tragedy it would be to never develop that because you're like, I don't need it because I have the owner's manual. See, we are invited into so much more than maybe we have been experiencing. I think that as we think through this and we start to look at these places of wisdom that God has given us, like Proverbs, and then we talk with people of wisdom, like for me and Matt Doan, we are starting to go in the right place. But ultimately, the place where rest and peace is restored is in Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says the human spirit, well, this is going back to what we said. It starts at the quote. But the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can endure a crushed spirit? That's the question, right? That's where we started. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The reason, ultimately, why we don't have to live with a crushed spirit is because we had a Savior who came and voluntarily allowed himself to be crushed. You see, he was experiencing the John 10.10 life. He was experiencing the fullness of life with his Father in heaven. He was experiencing the fullness of connection with the Spirit in heaven. And he says, I am going to come and be crushed as I experience your life so that you can experience the fullness of my life. Isaiah 53.5 says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. May we not be people who walk around with crushed spirits. May we start to invite God into our stories. Invite him to sit beside us, to see what he sees, to hear what he hears. And all of a sudden, we are facing these problems side by side together. And we don't view these issues as barriers that can get us access to him. Because that's what we often do. We're like, here's a sin issue, here's a moral issue, here's a physical issue, here's something that's keeping me from God. If I can get past this, I can then be in God's presence when the reality is God wants to stand right next to us and face those things together. And we walk in them together, and he restores our soul. Jesus, may we realize 
the purpose of your sacrifice. On the cross, the purpose of your coming to earth was so that we could experience the fullness of life. Yet so many of us so regularly get so stuck on the outside of how things are because we don't know how to deal with the inside. It is above our pay grade. We don't know what we're doing. And because of that, we stumble around making messes. And yet you have come that we may have life and have it to the full, that we may have peace and have it to the full. Jesus, may we walk with you as we invite your word to speak to us, we invite your people to speak to us, but most of all, we invite you to speak to us. May we acknowledge our need for you even now and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.